All right, well, if you have your Bibles, we are in 2 Timothy. We're starting a new series this morning. We're going through the book of of, uh, 2 Timothy. We're going to be looking at this for the next seven weeks, uh, right on up to the week before uh, Easter. And uh, the title of this series is Transition, uh, because Paul is transitioning between between himself and uh, Timothy. Paul is about ready to pass the baton to uh, Timothy. And uh, again, this is going to be a series that I think is going to uh, encourage uh, each and every one of us, particularly the timid in the faith, because uh, Paul does not want us to be afraid. So um, as Paul pins these words to Timothy, uh, Paul is at the end of his life. Uh, he's in a Roman prison for the second time. Uh, the first time, as we read the book of Acts, as we come to the book of Acts, uh, Acts ends with uh, Paul's first imprisonment. When Paul was released from prison that first time, he continued uh, on his missionary ways. And during that time, uh, Timothy had been appointed to the church at Ephesus. And uh Paul had written First Timothy to um, his disciple uh, in between imprisonments. Now we are at Paul's second imprisonment, and uh, this imprisonment is unlike his first. This is these are very harsh conditions. Paul knows that he is at the end of his days, um, and so uh, Paul's words are rather final words to uh, his disciple, Timothy. And uh, and final words are important. Um, I'm sure that uh, loved ones who have gone before you, you remember those final words that your loved ones convey to you and that you convey to your loved ones. For my grandma Logan, for my mama and papa, and for my dad, all four of those, my final words to them and their final words to me were, I love you. And I am grateful that I had the opportunity to hear and say those words. And that's not true for all of us here in this room. But final words are important, and um, Paul has some final words for his uh, spiritual child in the in the Lord. In verse two, um, Paul says this to Timothy, my beloved child. Paul is opening the 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 doors of this relationship that Paul has with his. Uh, his disciple Timothy. It is an endearing relationship. He tells Timothy, you are my beloved child. He's Timothy's spiritual father. Um, Timothy's earthly father was was not a believer. He was of Greek uh, dis- descent, but uh, he was a not, not a follower of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, Paul has come into Timothy's life and he's taken that spiritual relationship that Timothy did have with his mother and his grandmother. 
Um, but it's an endearing relationship. He tells uh, the church at Corinth in chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, that uh, Timothy is my deliver- dearly beloved, faithful child in the Lord. Paul could always count on Timothy uh, to be there. When Paul sent Timothy to the Philippi to uh, share the letter with Philippi, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 2. He said, I have no one else like him who has shown genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. Paul could always count on Timothy. When others had abandoned Paul, Timothy never did. Paul, Timothy was, was willing to do whatever Paul asked. And uh, as we went through the book of 1 Timothy, the key word of 1 Timothy was godliness. But the key word of 2 Timothy is going to be persevere. Perseverance in spite of suffering. And Paul is the example in Timothy's life that if you are going to live a godly life, you are going to be persecuted. Be prepared for it, Timothy, and continue to persevere. And so when it comes to serving in God's church, um, following Christ, it is not for the timid. And so this this. This letter from Paul to Timothy is to encourage uh, Timothy in his faith to persevere at all times in spite of the suffering that you're going to experience. And so with that being said, uh, let's look at the first seven verses of uh, chapter 1 this morning of 2 Timothy. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's pray. Father, I can just imagine Paul writing these words, knowing that his time is short. And the love, the burden, the concern that he had for his his disciple Timothy, knowing that 
Timothy was going to be the leader of a post-apostolic generation. And Paul wanted to encourage Timothy with all his heart. God, may we hear his words this morning as we walk with you. And may we not be afraid. And may we stir up the grace of God, the gift of God that is in us as well, that we might live in power and love and self-control. Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we look at this introduction of this letter compared to 1 Timothy, uh, there's there's a little bit of a difference in verse verse 1. Paul says this in verse 1 of of, uh, 2 Timothy 2, that he's been called an apostle by the will of God. In in, 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 uh, 1 Timothy, it was by the command of God, but then Paul also says this, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is holding on to the promise that is his in Jesus Christ. He is in a dungeon. He is, he is, um, he is awaiting execution. This is not a luxurious point in Paul's life. He is at the end, but Paul has not given up. And Paul is holding on. He's clinging to the promise of life that is in Jesus Christ. Even though his conditions are are harsh. He's holding on to Christ because he knows that Christ is holding on to him. And that is a huge testimony, church. That we follow the promise of life in Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no promise like that outside a relationship with the Lord. It's only in Christ because He has defeated, uh, death and sin. And when we take our last breath here, guess what? Life begins eternally forevermore. And so Paul has, as he's writing these words, He's not done. He's not despondent. He's not defeated. No, he's clinging to the promise of life in Jesus Christ. There's a song that we're going to sing next month. It's a, it's a new hymn. And, and I'm, I'm excited about introducing some new hymns in uh, this service. Hymns that are going to be uh, uh, simple to sing but deep in theology. And one of those new hymns is, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. You ought to Google it. You ought to go to YouTube and uh, and download that song. It is a beautiful hymn, but towards the end of that song, it says, With every breath I long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring me home. And day by day I know that He will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. This is Paul's life. 
you know, in, in spite of, of something that would, that could destroy a person. He's at the end of his life in a prison cell in a dungeon with no outside contact. He has Christ. And he is the promise of life. And he is passing on these words of encouragement to Timothy because Timothy is going to experience the very same thing eventually. We sang, it is well. Is it well with you this morning? You need the service. Jesus is here and he's conveying to you through the words of his grace this morning that he is the promise of life and he will never, ever fail you. Trust him. He's here and as you leave this morning, he wants to go with you if your life is in Christ. If your life isn't in Christ this morning, if you've never trusted him as, as your Lord and Savior, that's the most important decision that you'll ever make. When you call upon him, when you believe that he died for your sin, that he rose from the grave, and he died in your place, when you believe that, the Bible says our life becomes hidden in Christ. And when this body dies, this body is going to die. But who you are, in Christ, he's going to live forevermore. That is his grace. And that's another thing I want you to see in verse 2. Paul says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, Paul, in all 13 letters, uses the word grace to begin the letter, And he uses the word grace to end the letter. Why does Paul do that? I like what John Piper said uh, in his commentary on this verse. He said, Paul believes that God's grace is being mediated to the readers by the words and the truth of each letter. Then at the end, he knows that the reader will now leave and return to the troubles of the world. And he prays that this grace, which they have now received through the word of God, will go with them. So hear Paul's words this morning, church. These words are God's grace to each and every one of us. When Paul encourages Timothy, stir up the gift of God which which is in you. One of the ways we stir up the gift of God that's in us is through the word of God. It's the word of his grace. And when we ignore his word, you know, the fire that's within us can be quenched. And we're not passionate for God because the cares of this world seem to overcome. God's word are his words of grace to each and every one of us. So hear them this morning. And then we have verses uh, 3 through 7 this morning. Uh, The first part of uh, this first chapter, as uh, Paul uh, writes to Timothy, um, concerns what following Jesus is. 
And the first thing I want you to see in this passage of Scripture, that following Jesus is relational. Look at verses 3 through 5 again. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy, that I am reminded of your sincere faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. You know, typically when Paul begins a letter to a church or a person, he begins with doctrine. And doctrine is important, but that's not what he's doing in this passage of scripture, in, in this letter. Now he's, he's beginning with relationship. And what that says to us, church, is it's relationship is important. In following Christ, being a follower of Christ is relational. It's not just our relationship with Jesus, but it's our relationship with each other. We need to be in relationship with one another. That doesn't mean that we have to be in relationship with everybody. We don't have that kind of time. But we need to find a few that we can be in relationship with for the long run. This is an important uh, component that we're seeing between Paul and Timothy here. Doctrine is important, but hear the words of gratitude and tears and longing and joy and sincerity. You know, Paul, Paul has one of those dominating personalities. You know, on that disc chart, he's, Paul is a D. He's a lion. And uh, typically, lions don't come across as very uh, emotional or endearing. But that's what we hear in Paul's words here uh, this morning. That there is a unique and special relationship, an important relationship with Paul, between Paul and Timothy. <clears throat> why is Paul's tone, why is this Paul's tone from the start? Because Timothy needs to know that he is not going to be alone as he faces a future marked by suffering. Someone once said, dead fathers in the Lord still live in the courage of their spiritual sons. Timothy is going to continue to hear these words from his spiritual father as Paul goes on. One reason is because we have them in letter form. But I'm sure there are many more words from his spiritual father that Timothy is going to hear as he lives this life of suffering, as he perseveres through a life of suffering. Christian, Christianity is not meant to be lived alone. Relationship matters. That's one of God's graces in our life. Look at what Paul says. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors. 
even the ancestors that had gone before Paul, they are still in relationship with Paul. They serve the same living God. And Paul is standing on the shoulders of his ancestors. It's important to know what the word of God says, the Old Testament says, and how to relate to God just as his spiritual ancestors did. Paul is telling Timothy, be grateful for the grace of God in your life, Timothy, for your um, grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. That's God's grace in your life. They're there to encourage you. And as you go on, one time, one, one of these days, they're going to they're gonna be gone. Their words will continue to live. Do you have people like that in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of a first generation Christian in your family. And you didn't have this kind of spiritual heritage. Well, guess what? You're not alone. You have the ancestors of the word that have, has gone before you. Guess what? You have a church today. And there could be a spiritual mother or father in this in this church who could become that spirit. You're there. You could be their spiritual child. Christianity is meant to be relational, and I thank God for the family in my life that has gone before me. My wife is blessed with the same family as she she grew up. And we hear those words of affirmation and encouragement from those who have gone beyond. Just like we hear the words of God's word that encourage us. I'm thankful for my grandkids who have that same opportunity as they continue to grow. Following Jesus is relational. So my question to you is, are you thankful for your spiritual roots? Maybe some of those spiritual roots are still alive. And maybe it's been a while since you've gone to them and said, thank you for how you raised me, the things that you taught me. And that you don't have to say those things once they're already gone, they can't hear them. No, while they're still around. Is is Tiffany Lewis here this morning? I I think she's sick. You know, I think of Tiffany Lewis, uh, Pastor Payton's granddaughter. What a rich spiritual heritage she has. And two godly grandparents and godly parents, the deep spiritual roots. What a blessing. That, too, Paul says, is God's grace. And there's more about God's grace, and we don't have the time this morning to uh, talk about those graces and how to stir up uh, uh, the gift of God that's in us. We'll look at that again more next week. But uh, following Jesus is relational. And then second, we see from this text, following Jesus is costly. 
it's going to cost you something. Paul, uh, verses 6 and 7. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. There are going to be moments in ministry, church, Christian, where it will be easy to be afraid because of the hard choices you have to make for the gospel. But if you're aware of the graces of God in your life, you are connected to others in the church relationally, and you know that those relationships are the gift of God's grace in your life, you're not going to be filled with fear, but of power and love and self-control. Following Jesus is costly. It is not for the faint of heart. Paul's personality, and I mentioned this a moment ago, he's a lion. And so uh, one way to describe Paul's personality is that Paul's the, a thermostat. Okay, He sets the temperature of the room uh, by his personality. Timothy's not that way. Uh, Timothy doesn't have the personality of a lion. If you're familiar with the disc test, Timothy is probably an S, okay? And that S, um, what does S stand for? Steadiness, yes. They, their personality is like a golden retriever. They're very loyal. And so Timothy, Timothy, he's not a thermostat. He's a thermometer. And he senses the temperature that's in a room. And Paul is very mindful of this. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, Timothy, don't be afraid. Don't be timid. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Don't be a chameleon. Timothy, there are wolves in your midst, and don't let them eat you, okay? Because your life is in Christ. You know the truth of the gospel, and you don't have to be ashamed of that, and you stand your ground. Following Jesus is costly, and if we're going to be strong We've got to be strengthened by God's grace. And we'll look at this more next week, but look at chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we've looked at, so far, his word is a gift of his grace. Those relationships in our lives that have encouraged us in our walk with the Lord, that is a gift of God's grace. And we need to be strengthened uh, in God's grace. Jesus said this to, to his disciples in Luke chapter 14. Look at, look at Luke chapter 14. I want to read verses 26 and 27. 
Jesus was concerned. Uh, he was at the height of his popularity. He had, he had a huge crowd following him. And uh, Jesus was concerned about their motivation in following him. And Jesus had some very tough words. And he said this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Sometimes following Jesus is going to look like you're a hater. That you hate your parents. You hate your siblings. But Jesus isn't saying, you know, you have to hate them in order to follow me. No. In your comparison of your love for God, of what you're willing to do to sacrifice for him, if that were to be compared to your love for your family, it would appear as if you hate them. And there are going to be moments, church, Christian, where you may have to make that kind of decision. And we're not going to be able to do so if we're not fanning into flame the gift of God that is in us. The spirit of fear is going to take over. And Paul is encouraging Timothy Timothy persevere in the in spite of suffering. There's a denomination this week that had to make that tough decision. I don't know if you've been following the United Methodist um, denomination, but um, they get together every four four years to make decisions and. Uh, United, the, this denomination has uh, gone uh, liberal for many years. And so the denomination has come to the point where they were going to have to decide, are we going to believe what God's word says, or are we going to go the way of culture? And uh, the Methodists had come up with a plan, a united, one, one united plan, something of this nature, where, um, you know, if they adopted this plan, uh, it was going to allow everybody to get along with each other and the, t- the tent would be large enough for everybody. But unfortunately, it was just the way of the world. And so the denomination had to um, make a decision. Are we going to approve of this one united plan or are we going to reject it and live according to what the Bible says? And the United Methodists rejected it 53% to 47%. Just a slim majority. But in essence, what people were saying about those who were rejecting the plan, you guys are a bunch of haters. God's word doesn't call, tell us to hate. God, 
God's word tells us to love everybody. But there was a difficult decision that had to be made. And there were friends on both sides of the fence. And people were going to have to walk away from some denominational relationships because they could no longer coexist together. And and this wasn't just um, the uh, Methodists of the United States, but these were Methodists from all around the world. And there was one bishop from Africa that got up and spoke. And I don't have time to read all of his words, but his words are profound. And uh, you need to go back and read them personally. But this is what he said in that conference this week, just before uh, Methodists um, made their decision. He said this, while we commit ourselves to be, to be in ministry for, for and with all persons, we do not celebrate same-sex marriages or ordain for ministry people who self-avow as practicing homosexuals. These practices do not conform to the authentic teaching of the Holy Scriptures. Our primary authority for faith and Christian living. living. We are grounded in God's word and the gracious and clear teachings of our church. On that, we will not yield. We will not take a road that leads us from the truth. We will take the road that leads to the making of disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Some Methodists in the United States have the very faulty assumption that all Africans are concerned about is U.S. financial support. Well, I am sure being sinners like you, like all of you, some Africans are fixated on money. But with all due respect, a fixation on money seems more of an American problem than an African one. We get by on far less than most Americans do, and we know how to do it. I'm not so sure you do. So if anyone is so naive or condescending as to think that we should sell our birthright in Jesus Christ for American dollars, then they simply do not know us. We will persevere in the race before us. We will remain steadfast and faithful. And someday we will wear the victor's crown of glory with our King Jesus. Come walk with us. That's powerful. Now in church, in hearing those words and, and me, you know, conveying words to you, we don't hate gays. We don't hate lesbians. We don't hate those who question their sexuality. We don't hate transgenders. We don't hate queers. However you want to label it, we don't hate. God calls us to love. 
But we will never compromise the gospel. Because when we choose to love everybody, regardless of what the Bible says, we've thrown truth out the window. And without truth, lives cannot be transformed. We need truth. I've helped Trevor build a wall at his house lately. Now, it's not a Trump wall, okay? It's not this huge fortress. It's a pretty wall. It's a decorative wall. It's a wall that you can jump over. You can frolic on. <laughs> his, uh, his homeowner's insurance is probably going to go up now that his, uh, he has this little wall in place. But, uh, you know, it was challenging building this wall. In order for this wall to be straight, he had to lay down a line. A plumb line, okay? And we were going to build this line according to this this line, this straight line that didn't deviate. Now, there was one part of the wall that we kind of eyeballed it. And you know what? If you look really close at that eyeballed wall, it kind of goes like this. But with the wall that was laid, uh, put together according to the line, according to the, the, uh, what do you, that little, the level, that kind of stuff. You can tell I'm not a construction worker. That's why I'm in the ministry. Um, it's straight. Church. We need the truth. God's word is truth, and it's only truth that is going to set people free. It's not according to what the culture says. I want to take a play out of Craig's playbook from a couple weeks ago. I don't know how many times Craig said this, but he started off with, let me tell you something. <laughs> when it comes to the love of God, when it comes to God's love, we are never going to deviate from foundational truth. Amen. It's only foundational truth that can set people free. And Paul tells Timothy next week, Timothy, don't be ashamed of this. Don't be ashamed of my imprisonment. I am being held captive because the good news of the gospel. And Timothy, you persevere in spite of the suffering that you are going to endure. So maybe you're here this morning and you weren't able to sing it is well with my soul for various reasons. Paul's words to you this morning is to stir up the gift of God that he's given you. One is through relationships. Thank him for those 
godly individuals who have gone before you. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I don't have any godly individuals gone before me. You don't know the history of my family. Well, I do know the history of the Bible. And my friend, you stand upon their shoulders this morning. Another way that you can fan the flame, the fire, the gift of God in you is the word of God's grace. God is for you. Let's pray. In a moment, we're going to sing the song, The Wonderful Cross. Part of that song goes, Oh, the wonderful cross. Oh, the wonderful cross. Bids me come and die and find that I may truly live. Oh, the wonderful cross. Oh, the wonderful cross. Who gather here by his grace. Draw near and bless your name. God, thank you for your grace that we so often take for granted. Thank you for loved ones who have pointed us to Jesus, who have believed in us. They've believed in you. pointed the way what a blessing they are they have been and continue to be but more importantly Father we thank you for your word and Paul knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that what he was penning was from your very Holy Spirit God, it was going to be your grace that would encourage Timothy and that would encourage us this morning. God, help us to not be ashamed of carrying our cross. The world wants to label us haters as a result. But God, we can't hate. We must love everyone that doesn't mean we embrace everyone's lifestyle but God they're made in the image of you and we need to treat them accordingly but God we at the same time must stand for truth and sometimes that is so costly help us God help us to not be afraid Know that suffering is a requirement in following you. We must pick up our cross and follow you. But we know, Lord Jesus, we don't walk alone. It's your grace, and it's your power, and it's your love that keeps us going. We love you, and we praise you. 
Christ's name. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing the wonderful cross. Maybe you're here this morning and you need prayer. We have elders in the dining hall this morning. We would love to pray with you. But let's worship our Lord and Savior Jesus as we sing this song.